one of the biggest trends is there's a lot of sellers that don't really know if they are profitable. Maybe they're tracking things. Everybody has their own way of tracking things. Some of them use tools to track their profitability. Many Amazon sellers think business growth is the same as sales growth. But if you're smarter, you know e-commerce businesses are sold as a multiple of profits, not of sales. So if you want to build a sellable business, you need to grow profits. And to grow profits, you need to cut waste and increase profitable sales. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. Go to AmazonProfitQuiz.com. That's AmazonProfitQuiz.com to get your free instant diagnosis. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com slash 376. Ladles and jelly spoons, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers. Today we are talking to Ben Koch, president of Crewme, and they are investors in Amazon sellers and Amazon based businesses. Simple idea, but one that I think Ben is surprisingly rare. So thank you for coming on the show. Yep. Thank you for having me and I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Good to see you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and Crewme first of all. We started Accrumi about three years ago, and that sort of grew out of some experience that I had selling on Amazon, mostly with what people call the wholesale strategies. So buying name brand products in bulk and reselling them on Amazon. Did that for about six years and then also started a company called Algo Online Retail, which is basically a community of Amazon sellers, mostly in North America. And then three years ago, we started Accrumi. We made our first few investments just with our own money, with no software, with no real plan, just to see how it would go. And I went pretty well. So I started the business with my twin brother, my dad, and then two other business partners who have a pretty diverse background in finance. And I bring the Amazon background and experience. So that's how we got started and how we're here today. Great. So you've got the perfect background. You've got the FBA background. You've also got the background in the investment side. So you've got two sides. So what was the thesis then? In a sense, I'm amazed that nobody else has been doing this at scale at the level that we've seen aggregators do this, because it feels to me less risky to buy part of a business and multiple businesses than buy an entire business. And yet I've rarely seen this. So why do you think it's not been done? And what got you guys to do it in? I guess it's two questions mm -hmm. in one. Yeah. So I think as far as the aggregators go, I think they have a very on paper, it sounds like a very good idea to buy all of these businesses, but I think a lot of the bigger ones didn't necessarily have the operational experience and the ones that do have the operation experience are usually smaller. And even then it's a lot different running one or two Amazon businesses than 50 combined Amazon businesses. And for us, we looked at really more at what people were doing investing in Amazon businesses. So there were a lot of loans out there that the terms were probably not the most favorable for Amazon sellers and didn't really help them grow that much. So we said, how can we fund Amazon 
sellers, help them grow quickly, make a good return for ourselves, but actually help them and not hurt them and be predatory towards them. Running through a whole bunch of numbers and with my background in Amazon and telling my other partners that, hey, a lot of Amazon sellers are making 5, 10, 15, 20% per month on their investment. And we said, well, maybe we should just invest in them sort of like an equity share and earn a part of that profit. And then rather than making them pay us back, say, keep reinvesting our money and growing as fast as you can and as big as you can, and then pay us back whenever it makes sense for you. So that's sort of how we came up with everything. And the goal was, you know, we, we don't know better than an Amazon seller who's built their business. Let them continue to run their business and do a good job with it. And we'll just find the good ones and give them the capital they need to grow. Yeah, that's very smart, actually. It's a bit like the third-party thesis that Amazon had, which turned out to be an absolute winner, which is being the first-party seller means you're doing everything yourself and you're taking all the risk. Whereas if you're investing in other people who are proven to be competent, then you're letting them do the operational work that they've already shown expertise in. And that's very scalable, it seems to me, as well. I presume you guys have invested in quite a few different businesses now. Yeah, so we invest in pretty much everything across. So we have retail arbitrage sellers that we're invested in, some actually like pretty big ones doing millions of dollars a year, wholesale model, private label, and then all the kind of variations in between. And for us, we just keep an eye on the numbers and make sure some key metrics are met and let the seller do whatever they want. And for the most part, it works out pretty well. And it's a lot less headache for us than having to deal with sourcing and ma account management and PPC like an aggregator would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> how much every single Amazon seller who's ever dealt with this stuff for five minutes knows how much of a pain it is just for one business. And speaking to the aggregators of the last couple of years where there was a sort of a trickle, then a surge and now a trickle again of people coming on the podcast. And the headaches they've had with integrating this stuff, as you said, running 58, the same as running one. And if you've run none, then that's even worse. So tell me about the key metrics then. So this is edging into the question of how, if somebody's interested in attracting investing like yourselves, then how do they make themselves investable? What are those key metrics that you do actually have to see? So we look at a few things. One would basically be the size of like their asset pool, right? So there's a lot of people selling on Amazon who have a couple hundred or a couple thousand dollars invested in their business. And for us, that's more of like a side hustle. It's not really an investable business. So what we're really looking for is that they have at least, let's say, $10,000 invested in their business in either inventory or an Amazon receivable coming in that they're going to turn into inventory. So basically, at least 10000 in assets, ideally more than that. And then the big thing that they're profitable and that they're earning a decent return on their investment. So what we've seen is if you have $10,000 in assets, the ideal Amazon business, or even $100,000, let's say, to keep the numbers more interesting, if you have $100,000 in assets, $100,000 in inventory, we want to see you generating somewhere around $10,000 a month in profit. And that's what we've seen across the better sellers we're invested in all the different models. So private label, they'll buy more inventory. It takes longer to sell out. Retail arbitrage and wholesale, they'll turn their inventory quicker, but at a lower profit per sale. But in general, making around 10% on your money every single month is sort of the ideal profit metric. If it's a little bit less or a little bit more, you know, we can still invest in you and work with you. But that's sort of like a target across all the different models and pretty much every size of what you want to be shooting for your return on investment. So if you take your assets, you have 10,000 in inventory, you really want to be making at least $1,000 in profit every month. Yeah, and that's a very good sanity check as to whether your business is investable. I always say to people that I've always encouraged people to talk to business brokers and aggregators. And now I'd encourage everyone listening who's relevant for, we ought to talk about that in a sec, to talk to you guys. Because 
if an external investor won't invest or a lender won't lend, that's a red flag for me that your business, or at least an amber flag, that your business may need looking at from your own personal perspective. If 80 or 90% of the equity is your own, if you're the business owner operator. Anyway, so my little preach over get in touch with investors just for educational purposes, if nothing else. By the way, we'll talk about that. So who do you actually serve out there? Is it only people who sell in America? Is it only American-based businesses? What's your sort of people that you can actually work with? So right now we only invest in people selling on amazon.com. So the U.S. marketplace with FBA, we're expanding that to other marketplaces and to, so other marketplaces and other countries with Amazon. And, but we invest in people from all over the world. So we have sellers in Europe, Mexico, Asia, all over the world. But if they're selling on amazon.com, the biggest Amazon marketplace, we can invest in them. Great. That's just worth clarifying in case somebody's getting excited and thinking, I must get in touch with Ben. Lots of people, by the way, that are, that I work with in the UK do sell in America. So that's yet another reason to sell in America, in my opinion, because the investment and lending pool is just bigger, in my experience. And you're an example of that. So tell me a little bit more about the profit trends. You were saying that, interestingly enough, the... This sort of, you, you're able to get the same sort of return investment from private label models as well as retail art models because the profit level but the turnover of stocks sort of balances back out. Very interesting. So what other sort of trends are you seeing out there in terms of profitability of Amazon businesses in particularly the sort of current challenges we've got with supply chain costs going up and then a potential recession that everyone's talking about? How's that all panning out? So I think a few trends. It seems like there are, first of all, there was the whole issue with supply chains that seems to have been taken care of over the last few months. It seems to have really gone back to normal. Prices are going down. Shipping times are getting faster. A lot of the sellers we work with are using AGL, Amazon Global Logistics, which has been pretty quick and pretty reasonably priced for shipping products in from China. So obviously with shipping, that's kind of trend as things going back to normal. Some of the other trends that we've seen a lot of there are a lot of people that I would say are maybe upside down where they've taken on a bunch of debt and not really paid attention to, am I profitable? Is this debt going to help me make more profit? And they've taken on debt and now making those loan payments plus running their business maybe at a small loss have put them on a downward spiral where their business isn't doing so well. A lot of US-based sellers took on big loans from the SBA, the Small Business Administration in the US during COVID because they were easy to get. And they're much bigger than their asset pool or the size of their business. So let's say you know, there's a lot of sellers out there, maybe a $50,000 in assets and are making $5,000 a month in profit. And they got a $200,000 loan from the SBA and they're small payments and they're due in 10 years or something like that. But there's no way they don't really have a clear path to ever pay that back, which is starting to become a realization for a lot of them now. Yeah, um, I bet. That sounds pretty, let's talk about that for a second, because that sounds like a really important question of how to deal with debt safely. It's a huge topic, but have you got a metric that you would use for that? Is, is a sort of percentage of loan to equity ratio or whatever? How do you deal with that safety issue of debt? Yeah. So we always just look for people not to be upside down, right? So if you have $50,000 in assets in your business, you don't really want to have more than 50,000 in debt. And if you're borrowing, let's say 50,000, you want to use that money wisely, ideally to invest in more profitable inventory that's going to make money for you, rather than what a lot of Amazon sellers do is say, oh, I lost $5,000 this month and I'm going to lose $5,000 next month. How do I cover that loss? Oh, let me go borrow money to cover it. And when you're borrowing to cover a loss, you basically just are digging yourself into a deeper hole, which seems like a lot of Amazon sellers end up doing. So that's how you end up basically turn ending up upside down, right? Because you're losing $5,000 a month. You just borrowed 50000 to basically cover those losses for the next 10 months. 
And at the end of it, now you owe 50,000 and you still only have 50,000 in assets. And then they basically throw away all their equity. And that happens like all the time. We see tons of businesses, especially even larger ones, like guys who were doing a million plus a year where they took on a lot of debt to grow or to cover their burn basically so that they could spend more on PPC and try to grow faster. And now they're realizing I have a hundred thousand in assets and I owe 150 from all the money I borrowed. How am I going to pay this back? And they're just upside down. And that has actually, I think, become more common recently than it has been in the past. Yeah. I think part of it is just the availability of money. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com slash 376. It's interesting, isn't it? In, I've seen, I remember speaking to a guy I worked with in a different industry once who knew some club owners, some football club owners in the UK, so soccer, as you call it, but their premiership is huge no, money, not quite as big as American football. And there's one guy who was worth 60 million pounds, whatever that is, it's $61 million, the, the way the exchange rate's going, depending when you listen to this. Sadly, not a joke, probably. But anyway, he's, he ended up worth minus 15 million pounds. And I think you need to be making a certain amount of revenue and be very lendable to really get yourself into a hole. And, and that's one of the dangers is when the lending market is easy and you've got enough to be lendable for short term, you can really get yourself into trouble or to put it to Jeff, to quote Jeff Goldblum from... Um, what is it? The movie about dinosaurs whose name escapes me. Just because you could doesn't mean you should. All that to say that, yeah, one has to be careful with loans. And just to cap that off, just spell out for me, what does upside down mean? Does it simply mean that you've got more debt than equity or is it the cash flow monthly or what do you mean by that? Yeah. So we basically just say upside down, it's, it would be more debt than your assets, right? So maybe you have $50,000 worth of inventory and a $10,000 Amazon receivable. So you have $60,000 in assets or maybe some cash in the bank too. And then your debt is maybe 70,000. So you owe more than you have in assets. And if you're, if it's a small amount and you're running a profitable business, you can close that gap. But a lot of people who end up in those situations have that gap because they're not running a profitable business and it's almost impossible to close that gap. And it just basically keeps getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So it's essentially about the assets to debt ratio, but it's also about the cash flow and can you ever pay that debt off? It's just a frightening question. So what other trends just quickly are you seeing out there around money? Let's talk about money and, and particularly profits. Yeah. So I think maybe one of the biggest trends is there's a lot of sellers that don't really know if they are profitable. Maybe they're tracking things. Everybody has their own way of tracking things. Some of them use tools to track their profitability. Some of them are looking at their profitability on a per unit basis instead of a company-wide basis. And then I think a lot of them, when it comes to ROI, are thinking of ROI just on a product basis, right? So I make a return on investment. My product has 100% ROI, and they don't really consider that's there. It's going to take them a year to sell out of their inventory and restock. So yeah, they made 100% ROI, but it's over a year. Whereas some of the resellers, they can turn in their stuff every month and they're making 10%. And if you compound that over a year, they're going to do better than the private label guy who has a year's worth of inventory that's going to take a year to sell it. And then I think another big trend that we've just been seeing is there is a ton of money out there, especially for people selling on Amazon.com. There's just a lot of money out there that's available. And I think a lot of people take on that money. And like you were saying, either they're not profitable and they're taking that money and basically digging themselves into a deeper hole or they're not fully understanding the terms of the investments that they're taking. And they basically end up with a surprise bill at the end, or in some cases the next day when somebody sucks at money out of their Amazon account and they have to start paying it back. So there's a lot of money out there with a lot of very different terms that are all over the place. And I think that somebody who's thinking about taking on investment, number one, needs to make sure they're profitable 
and they have a plan to profitably deploy the capital they take on. And then number two, make sure that they understand the true difference between all of the funding options out there. Um, because we've seen just a lot of people get in trouble, even if they had an okay business generating some profit that now they took on some really complicated financing structure that they don't understand. And they're basically taking all of their Amazon receivable every month and sending it off to a lender. So I think those are probably some of the, the key trends that we've been seeing out there. Yeah, very wise. And again, it comes down to that basic thing. I used to have a business coach who was obsessed with marketing and I've come back around to checking out what he's doing in the last few years and it's all about the numbers, which is interesting. I think that seems to be a trend that I see with business owners that you get excited about the revenue potential. And of course, you've got to have that. And that's very much a startup obsession, right? But when you get to a certain point, you have to obsess about how the cash is flowing, is it flowing (laughs) and which direction, of course, and then where's the profit or is there any? And it's as you say, it's quite a surprisingly high number of people that get quite far with this business before they get those numbers clear. So this is another call for clarity around numbers, really. Look, this is great stuff. What services do you offer? We've already mentioned that you will work with anyone who's got an Amazon.com account, which is quite broad. Who else do you, any other sort of criteria for who you work with and how you help? No, that's really it. So if they have some, at least $10,000 or so in assets, which usually equates to somewhere around $10,000 in sales, they're selling on Amazon.com using FBA We and they're profitable. We can invest either 10000 to a $1 million in their business. And the thing that we do that's unique was and looking at this, all, most of the funding options out there make you repay them very quickly. They're basically based on your cash flow. That's what the investor feels comfortable investing against. But with Acrumi, we basically let you pay us whenever you want. So we have people that we've invested in years ago who haven't paid us a single penny yet. And the way that we do that is we just track our share of the profit and what's happening with the business and our proprietary software portal. And we see how the business is performing and we're comfortable basically saying, keep everything in there and keep rolling the money over. We'll make more money. You'll make more money. Every, everyone will grow faster and it's better for everyone. So I think that's probably the big difference in how we help Amazon sellers. We say, don't send us, we don't want any, we don't want you to send us money. We want you to keep taking that money, buying profitable inventory and turning it over as many times as you can. So yeah, that's how we help Amazon sellers. We'll invest in them and let them run with it. Amazing. I think the place to go, correct me if I get this wrong, app.acrumeme.com. That's app.acrumeme.com to connect you guys and have a chat about it. Is that right? Yep, exactly. App.acrumeme.com. Tell us a little bit about your business. Uh, You connect us to your Amazon store. We basically generate a whole big report on how your business is doing and we'll give you an investment offer, or you can talk to someone on the phone if you'd like, and hopefully we can get you funded in a couple of days if that's how quickly you want to move. Amazing. I would encourage anyone who this is a possibility for not to waste Ben and his team's time, but if it's a possibility that you're serious about, not to be afraid to talk to a potential investor, because if nothing else, you're going to get educated quickly about whether your business is investable. And it's a bit of a harsh reality check, but I think it's an important one to go past external eyes to your business. So for all those reasons, and the gut, you obviously incredibly competent about assessing the viability of Amazon businesses, a great thing to do. So app.acrumi.com. Ben, it's great to talk to you. We're going to come back to you in a short episode to talk about different types of capital raising and which is an interesting thing to make sure we understand and wrap our heads around. But for the moment, big thank you for opening our eyes to the possibility that you guys are offering people. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank you. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com slash 376. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. 
Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.